he's coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of RCST with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and we're out a little bit early today. 5.30 pregame coverage right here on your original home for the Jayhawks. 5.30 5.30 and 7 o'clock tip-off for Kansas and North Dakota State. We're going to preview that game, get into all about that. Uh, we got some audio to get to you today as well. Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks, will join us in about 35 minutes from right now. NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. You can get in as well on the uh, KU North Dakota State game tonight. Currently, Kansas is giving up 24 points. Now, I don't want to be a downer. I think I'd be taking North Dakota State with that. So you're going to be a downer? I, I think Kansas wins the game, but... Well, okay, uh, they only lost to Arkansas yeah, by, by what, 18. 18. Yeah, I think so. And Arkansas is supposed to be another Mm-hmm. Arkansas is going to be really strong. good. Yeah. Kansas only beat Omaha by 25, who is a much worse team in the same conference as North Dakota State. So I think Kansas wins, but that might be too big of a line. Now, I haven't seen any player props come out. We we nailed for you Jalen Wilson over 14.5 points in the, the first game. That hit at the first half, and you would have got so it at plus rebound, 100. Right? So his rebound, yeah, the rebounds also. hit. Uh, that I don't know if it hit by the first half or the start of the second half. So that was all good stuff there. Uh, the over-unders, 146.5. What conference are they in? Uh, they're in the Summit League. Oh. 146.5. I'm trying to think. So uh, if you want the team props for Kansas, you can get them at 85.5 points. North Dakota State is at 60.5. Hmm. hmm. Interesting. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KLWN. Place $5 pregame money line bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code KLWN. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued is free bets. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. 10 plus leg required for 100% boost. Deposit, parlay, and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at sports book.draftkings.com slash football terms. Kansas taking on North Dakota State tonight. Uh, when you look at the Bison, they went 23-10 and 10 a season ago. They have been one of the most consistent teams in the Summit League year in and year out. They have gone to the Summit League tournament title game four consecutive seasons. But they lost a lot from last season. They lost four starters, and two of them were all first-team picks. And they've consistently been one of the better defensive teams in the league. They've been either number one or number two in Ken Palm adjusted defensive efficiency on the defensive end in three straight seasons. And they've done it by doing two things really well, which I think are both interesting for tonight's game. They limit the amount of three-point attempts you have. So they, they really emphasize getting out on shooters to the outside. And maybe that hurts you a little bit on the inside. Maybe that hurts you a little bit on dribble drives where they're not going to overhelp and have a guy come over and be like, hey, you got by this guy. We're going to send somebody here and then we're going to rotate. They're going to like stick on shooters on the outside. 
and offensive rebounds. They limit offensive rebounds. So really good defensive rebounding team for North Dakota State. That, that's very interesting, uh, especially when you think of the first game for Kansas. Grady Dick hitting a lot of threes. Jalen Wilson hitting three, three threes. In this game, it's going to be more about the guys that can you put someone on your hip or get someone by you and drive to the lane and finish by yourself. And that's something that you know, seems to be right up the alley for a guy like Jalen Wilson. Seems to be right up the alley for even, I don't know, Dewan Harris was pretty good at getting in the lane. He didn't make all the layups. I think it was four of eight on shots at the rim in the first game. But you have guys that can do it. You're going to have to do it in this game. And then the the defensive rebounding, probably not going to get eight offensive rebounds from K.J. Adams. Probably <laughs> not going to get as many second chance opportunities as you had against Omaha. So you have to be more efficient in your half-court game prior to those second chances. Do you think K.J. will get eight offensive rebounds in any game ever again this season? Oh, man, that's a good question. I feel like, I mean, that's such a high number I mean, of offensive eight, rebounds. Eight offensive rebounds. I mean, for Oscar Shibway, he's just like, oh, I do that like, you know, once every <laughs> other week. But, man, that's that's such a high number. The, the answer is probably no, because he could still have another, like, great offensive rebounding game, and he gets six, right? Yes. Yes. So I'd probably say no, but it wouldn't be that crazy if there was like one more in there. Yeah, the interesting thing that you pointed out about uh, the two things that North Dakota State has historically done well is, number one, we've heard about, obviously we've seen Grady Dick shot and he has a high release and a quick release, right? Which that could come in handy, right? If you got a guy closing out on you, but you've got a high quick release, yeah. it may not matter, right? Probably less open threes. It is going to be more contested threes. Yeah, so, so that's something that could help uh, in that area for Kansas. And then, like, you, like we were just talking about with offensive rebounding, like, K.J. Adams was so good in offensive rebounding in the first game against Omaha. You figure that won't be the case as much in this game because uh, on top of the fact that North Dakota State does that pretty well, they've actually got some pretty big guys inside in terms of length, mm -hmm. uh, which is going to be an interesting challenge, I think, for Kansas uh, because you know it's one thing to be getting offensive rebounds over guys that are 6'6", right? Well, North Dakota State has a couple guys that are 6'10", 6'11", that could even be challenging like Ernest Uday or Zuby Edger yeah. down low, and so... This could be an interesting game to f sort of see where those guys are at, right? Because when you get to Big 12 Conference play, you're going to be going up against 6'10", 6'11 guys every single game, right? So this is an opportunity to, to sort of figure out where you're at in terms of, A, de defending those types of guys, right? Because I think that's probably our biggest question mark with the bigs is, like, if they were to run into a team that has a really, really, really strong big man, would they be able to stop them offensively? Yeah, right. I mean, this is like you're going to have chances to show that with Oscar Shibway on the schedule and uh, with the exactly. litany of bigs that the freshman bigs that the Duke has coming up next week and exactly. some like, of those Big Twelve schools. When you consider, like, you know, what if Kansas draws uh, somebody like that early in the NCAA tournament? Mm -hmm. That could be a serious problem. Yeah, if they if they haven't now, obviously that's a long ways away. They'll have time to sort of kind of figure that out. But no, but this is a this good is, first litmus exactly, test. This is the first yeah. game we're going to figure out what they might need to improve on or how they might handle that. Yeah, so North Dakota State, their opener, they lost to Arkansas 76-58. to That's a good Arkansas team. And Arkansas did shoot over 50% from the field, but certainly back to the interesting thought about them limiting opponents' threes, Arkansas only got off 10 three-point attempts in that game. They shot 4 of 10, so shot an efficient rate, but there's really not that many threes at all. Uh, players to watch for North Dakota State's half, it's a good name. I don't know if this is the proper pronunciation. Bowden Skunberg, uh, he had 17 points in the opener. And then Grant Nelson, he's one of those two big men down low for uh, the Bison offensive, or uh, I guess on both ends. Um, he had 17 points, six rebounds against Arkansas. He's he's a very versatile big. He's he's not like a super speedy guy or super quick, but I, I mean he's you know 
six foot eleven, two hundred and thirty-five, or, or six foot ten, two hundred and forty-five pounds is the one big. He's six foot eleven, two thirty-five, but he can stretch it. He can dribble it a bit. He's got one of the better block rates in their conference. He can score down low on the block. He's just a really good all-around big. Norm Roberts actually yesterday at the uh, media availability really raved about both these big men. And in the case of Nelson, he said he might be better than any big we're going to go against in league play. Really? So like, that is very high praise from Norm <laughs> Roberts. And I don't know, that could just be like Coach Speak talking up the opponent. I don't know if that's actually true, yeah. but I think the way that I view that is that this is a Big 12 caliber big man. Yeah. So, you know, even if it's not the best you go against, that just adds to the idea of it being a litmus test. So uh, yeah. whether it is, you know, Ernest Day at the five, I, I, like I'd put it this way. Kansas played 22 minutes with Ernest Duday, Zach Clemens, or Zuby Edgefer. That's what those three guys combined for in the first game. That's got to be higher tonight, right? It's Yes, 100%. I feel like it's going to be closer to 30. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they'll still play KJ Adams, some at the five, and it'll be a good test for him of can you play up in size. Yeah, right? because KJ Adams, as we know, is is that sort of dog-type player, right? And that's that's great to have, but it's one thing to be that type of player when you're 6'7", going up against other guys that are similar in height, but when you're giving up five inches or four or five inches to, to another guy, you know, how, how is that going to affect yeah. what your versatility is going to be, what your effectiveness is going to be? Like, how how good are you going to be then at that point? If, if e Even if you are a guy like KJ Adams who is such a high motor and is so aggressive, obviously you're probably not going to be as – like, you're not going to get eight offensive rebounds, certainly, mm -hmm. right? You're not going to be as effective if, if you're going up against a big, bigger talent which is what KU's going to see on a nightly basis in the Big 12. I think it's a good test of if K.J. Adams is matchup proof with the way that, that I would want to put it because okay. is he just a guy that you can put in against smaller teams or is he someone you can – again, he's matchup proof. It doesn't matter about the matchup. He's going to fight and, yeah. and be able to give you good uh, – and, uh, and on the flip side of that is like for Kansas, if you're going to run small and have him at the five, you should be able to then exploit using your speed or transition game yes. against bigger against bigger guys. Right? Yeah. So that, that would, that's kind of the flip side of like – if we're if we're going to risk running that type of of guys on the floor against a bigger team, we should be able to capitalize in other areas. Yeah, Kansas was dominant in transition last season. I think they have a lot of pieces this year to be just as good, and we yeah. saw some of that in the uh, first game earlier this year. And that is something that like you got to get there first. You got to get to transition. You got to get the rebound. You got to get the outlet pass. All those things. But because of those two bigs that could be slower moving up and down the court. North Dakota State, as much as we've talked about these bigs here and, and you know, on the wing, Bowden Scunberg, who's kind of like a 3-4 man, their guards leave something to be desired. They have a lot of inexperience there, a lot of new players. Their quote-unquote veteran point guard, I think his last name is Yoder, he's a transfer from Division Three, where he averages like 11 points, three assists. So this is not a, a you know, backcourt for them that scares you to death in this game for Kansas. So you have to be able to get... Uh, advantageous play from your guards over there is getting transition all those different things and then in addition to that like let's see if Jalen Wilson and, and Grady Dick follow it up because the more and more they stack together those strong games the more and more you can take that seriously as being one of the best player duos in in college basketball all right I yeah. want to do uh some rock chalk pick a hawk we didn't do this for the first game of the exhibition okay so uh how this works for you Nick because this will be your first time doing this this was a uh, Brian Haney special. We altered the rules a little bit. So we're each going to pick players. Um, okay. I'll let you decide how many you want to pick. We can each pick four. We can each pick six, whatever you want to do. How many do? You, how many have you normally done? 
Uh, we've done four in the past, and then for some bigger games where we felt like the rotation maybe you could justify, we got up to, to five. I'd be fine doing six for a game like this where it's early season. Like, once you get to conference play, you probably stick with four because how many guys are really going to be in the rotation, right? Yeah. For a game like this, you could convince yourself that 12 guys, now it might only be two minutes for the 11th and 12th guy, but could play in this one. So I'm fine doing six each just to make it a little uh, more fun. But you, get a, you get a point for every point that your player scores. You get two points for every assist and rebound they have, three points for every steal and block they have, and then you lose a point for every shot they have, and you lose two points for every turnover they have. Make Man. sense? That is tough. Yes. And the minus one, it's it's missed for every field goal or free throw. So you lose one of each. But only if they miss. Yes, correct. So, like, if he's, like, 6 of 12, you lose 6 points. Correct. But you gain Yeah, if you have 15 you points 12, on 6 of 12, then he'd be plus 9 on just the, the scoring category. Okay. Actually, I don't remember if we, we took away points for free throws. Hmm. I mean, they're free throws. You should take away points. Because they're free. They're free. <laughs> But counterpoint, I had somebody, I, I heard this from somebody, and it was actually a good point, and I was like, wait, whoa, that's weird. If you shoot 65% at the free throw line, that doesn't sound like a great number, right? It's that's, really pretty good a pre- for a call. Average, player, right? Yeah. But that's not like a number that you're like, he's a great free throw shooter. You're just like, no, oh, of course, he's fine, no. you know? If you shoot 65% on free throws, that means that on average you are scoring 1.3 points per possession. And that would be like historically the greatest offense of all. No, time. that's not true. It's because you don't you don't go to the yes, free throw line every possession. Percent. No, I know. But you don't. But you're not going to the free throw line. I know. Every I know. I know. But just saying for that trip, then for that trip, it would be 1.3 points per possession. Okay. Which, if you average that over the course of a season, you would be the greatest offense like ever. So, <laughs> I guess that's good enough. Anyway, uh, I'll give you the first pick since uh, you have I don't know beginner's luck here. Who do all you want right. first? Um. Well, I guess that's between Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson. I, I I think I'm going to pick Grady Dick. Okay. Interesting choice. I will have uh, back-to-back picks. I will take Jalen Wilson. I think Jalen's just going to get more of the other stats than Grady Dick will. And then I will go with Dewan Harris. Always good for this. Doesn't necessarily score a lot. Doesn't necessarily shoot a lot, although it did in the first game. Should get a lot of assists. Good for a couple steals. Get you some extra points there. I'll take Dewan. Yeah, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get KJ Adams for the same reason. I think mm. he's, if he gets a lot of rebounds, you know. And boy, who else? Four of the one? five starters have been taken now. You can take the fifth. Yeah, I guess you can go somewhere else. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll just go with McCuller. I'll take McCuller. Okay. So now get, we're into the get, bench. I get more assists. I mean, Bobby Pettiford had the big game off the bench in the first game. I think he'll he'll play a sizable role for you. But the fact that you do play the the North Dakota State that has these two bigs. I think it is going to be a a big game for one of the centers. And so far, the guy we've seen have the biggest trust from the coaches is Ernest Uday. So I'm going to take Ernest Uday. And now the question is, do I want Bobby Pettiford or do I want to give basically a, you know, in fantasy football, like you draft the star running back and then later in the draft, you're like, I'm going to take his handcuff, his backup, just in case he gets hurt. I could take the backup here just in case it's not an Ernest Uday game. But I don't feel as great about either of those other two centers, so I am going to go Bobby Pettiford. Uh, then I am going to take one of the backups. I'm going to go with Edgefer because he got second run. I don't know, man. I don't know what's up with Clements. Like, I don't know what his role is going to be. I mean, I don't know if if you're the, if you're the third big man off the bench, that doesn't that doesn't speak well for for what you're trying to do. And 
for my next. So how many players do I have right now? I have four. You have four. So you, four. you have this pick, then I'll go back to back, then you'll finish up. Okay. Um, I'll go with Joe Yesifu. We've seen him get a good amount of action and, and shots up. Um, yeah, the problem with Joe Yesifu is he might. He, I don't know. He could go 0 for 4. Exactly. He's not going to be very efficient, so he <laughs> right. might actually just lose points. Or maybe it's a Joey Esfu game. Maybe he gets it going. Uh, that's why I was nervous to take him. I will take Zach Clemens here just for that that center backup idea, even though I'm, I'm not totally confident in what it's going to be tonight. And then for my last pick, okay, who could we go with? Uh, Kyle, Kyle Cuff, Cuff is available. MJ Rice, MJ Rice might play. I don't really know. Yeah, what maybe, his maybe not. Is. I think that's it, right? Uh, Jankovic. Oh, Jankovic, yeah. He could come in late. Yeah. And that could be efficiency. He could go one for yep. one from yep. three, have like one rebound <laughs> off. He's not going to you know, miss a ton of shots. I am going to go with MJ Rice. I don't know if he's okay. going to play or not. Um, I will just say this. He warmed up last game. You would think that he is healthy enough now to play. Yes. Now, I do think there is uh, maybe some stuff that he's still trying to earn the trust of the coaching staff. And who knows if that happened or not in in the few days of practice leading up. But he certainly has a lot of talent. And if he can get on the floor, maybe he can get on for for a good amount of time. Like we just mentioned, if MJ Rice doesn't play, he might outscore Yesifu. (laughs) You don't know. Uh, (laughs) So you can take Kyle Cuff. You you could just take Cam Martin and be like, I'm fine with the zero (laughs) points. I don't know. (laughs) Well, no, because uh, I'm going to go with Jankovic. Okay. Just because why not? All right. That is our Rock Chalk Pickahawk and our KU North Dakota State preview. We're going to take a time out here. When we come back, we are going to get to some Kevin McCuller audio. He spoke with the media yesterday. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Joined now by Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. You can hear him through the Jayhawk Radio Network tonight right here on KLWN with pregame at 530 and tip-off at 7 o'clock. You'll also be able to hear him on the call on Saturday for the football team on the road in Lubbock, taking on Texas Tech with pregame there at 4.30 and kickoff at 6 o'clock. So, Brian, we'll start with North Dakota State. That's right in front of us coming up later tonight. Uh, So far, you know, through, I guess, really just one game, but two if we count the exhibition, Grady Dick has looked as comfortable as you could imagine a freshman could look through their first couple collegiate games. Are you surprised at all? Not necessarily that he's been an impact player, but of how good it has been. A little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm, I would say more so impressed than surprised. And I think the impressiveness for me comes in how complete he's looked uh, as opposed to just being this lights-out shooter and great athletic scorer. And that was something that we talked to Coach Self about on Tuesday on Hawk Talk. And he said early in the preseason, he challenged Grady. He said, do you want to be known as just a shooter or do you want to be known as a player, as in a complete player? And, and I think that really resonated with Grady. And, you know, back in the preseason, I was going to practice one to two days a week, and I would watch Coach Self, you know, really coach him up and coach him hard on, on certain aspects of his game. And every Kansas freshman that comes in under Bill Self gets baptized in the, the Bill Self defensive toughness you know, situation pretty quickly and thrown into the deep end of the pool of what is commanded and demanded out of these guys on that end. And I've just seen him make tremendous strides, leaps and bounds on that side of the floor because he already had the quick release and the high release points and the great shooting consistency. But to see how the other aspects of his game are very rapidly rounding out is, is pretty exciting. And uh, clearly, you know, when you, when you see him do all the things he did the other night, it had us debating on the air in postgame. Is this 
better than Xavier Henry's 27 versus Hofstra? Where does it rank compared to Josh Selby's 21 versus USC and Quentin Grimes 21 versus Michigan State? And the answer by Coach Self is Selby's is still the best freshman debut, but but Grady's in terms of efficiency, nine of 13 is right up there. So that was definitely one of the more memorable rookie debuts that I can think of in 20 years of Bill Self basketball here. Yeah, and I think that while there are those other great debuts like the Selby one and, and the Quentin Grimes one to me come to mind uh, about guys who had that great debut and then it didn't totally translate into having maybe as special of a season as you would have thought after the first game. When I saw what Grady Dick looked like in that opener, and, and again, if we want to go back even the game before to the exhibition, it, it, it makes me feel like that stuff that he was doing was sustainable, that uh, what we saw in those games – because a lot of it is like that's what he was expected to be when he comes in, this sharpshooter from the outside. And and it's almost evidence to back up what the theory was, I guess, in that standpoint. Now, obviously, there were a lot of other players who stepped up. Jalen Wilson was great as well. Uh, but outside of those top two with that kind of dynamic duo of Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick, who stood out to you most in game one? Well, first off, funny you should use the word sustainable in describing Grady because I just left Norm Roberts' office taping our pregame, and I asked him that very phrasing. I said, you know, we're, we're debating Selby, Xavier, Grimes, Dick, but, but maybe the bigger question is how much of what we saw the other night from Grady is sustainable night in, night out? And he said, Brian, we're seeing this from him every day. He said, now, competition's going to get a lot tougher, and we'll see what it looks like tonight or Tuesday versus Duke or versus some good teams down at Atlantis in the Bahamas uh, and, and see you know, if he's able to post comparable numbers. But he was very complimentary in saying you know, some of the things that have wowed Kansas fans these first two nights out in Allen Fieldhouse is what they've been seeing every day. So that is good. Now, to your second question, uh, Bobby Pettiford clearly stood out. I thought several Jayhawks did. I mean, it was one of those games where KJ has a career high in rebounds, eight of the nine coming on the offensive end. I described during the call, it looked like he was playing on a pogo stick, just jumping around, jumping over everybody. That'll be tougher tonight with 6'10 and 6'11 in the starting lineup for the Bison. But uh, Bobby Pettiford, you know, he was super efficient. Only missed one shot, had a career high 13. He was driving the ball downhill with purpose and assertiveness. Good signs for a guy that uh, is trying to prove that the injury woes of last season are firmly in the rearview mirror. DeWan had a career high in assists with eight. Yeah, he was really good. And obviously Jalen was only three assists shy of a triple-double. And we, we picked up on that late in the game when it was probably too late for him to do anything about it. Uh, and, and had about three minutes to go on the broadcast. And we mentioned, you know, he's probably not going to get three more possessions to get three more assists, but he's awfully close. And uh, didn't think he'd be a guy that would flirt with that, nor will he on a regular basis. But the other night, that was pretty special. So, a lot of things stood out. I, I thought that uh, both UB and Ernest had their moments amongst the freshman bigs. Still waiting to see something from Zach uh, you know, to show where he's improved from last season up to now. I kind of feel like these first two glimpses, the exhibition game and Monday night, we've walked away talking more about the freshman bigs than Zach, and understandably so. I mean, Ernest is so impressive. 6'11", 7'4", wingspan, you know, best lob catcher we've seen since Doak and has a chance to do a lot of Doak-like things over the course of his career. And I thought his block that he swatted 20 feet out of bounds, to quote Bill Self, he swatted it into the 13th row. Um, 
that that was a huge momentum play because you'll recall they had whittled going back to the end of the first half a 16-point Kansas lead all the way down to seven, and they've got a chance to cut it to a two-possession game, and he swats that shot emphatically, and KU goes on a 10-0 run after that. So there were a lot of little things I liked from that performance the other night uh, all the way around, and I think tonight will be a game where less guys are posting career numbers. It's going to be more of a grind-it-out type game against a club that was really competitive against Arkansas at the start of the week, and we all remember what NDSU did two years ago in here. Uh, leading for 28 minutes and, and holding Kansas to a 65-61 final margin of victory. So uh, we expect a good test. And like I said, probably the size stands out the most when you look at Nelson at, at 6'11", 235, and Andrew Morgan at 6'10", 245. Kansas will probably not change the starting lineup, Derek, but it's my understanding that we could see more you know, too big lineup combinations once they get into the game because of, of what, they'll present in their front court and KU's need to, to match up on the glass and that kind of thing. Yeah, Brian, you just touched on it with the size that NDSU has. I mean, is this a game where you think we can maybe extrapolate or learn a lot about guys like Ernest Uday and some of those young big men that are going to be going up against, you know, some bigger competition, what they've seen so far this season? Yeah, I agree. And, and I think we'll also learn more about KJ. You know, KJ's probably going to draw the start if, uh, if, if what we think mid-afternoon turns into the same case uh, after shoot-around. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that you know, for KJ, he looks so active the other night, but he's jumping over six, 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 seven guys, and he himself is about six, seven if you really look at it, and um, you know, without sneakers. And so he's going to have to do that against big bodies. And Coach Roberts just told me a second ago he thinks Grant Nelson is, is an NBA-type guy. So we'll see not only, you know, the baptism by fire for guys like Ernest and, and Zuby in their second official game as, as collegians, but for a guy like KJ that wants to prove that he can be a real fixture and, and can not only come in and, and guard power forward, but guard five men too, how does he do in being as much of a presence, um, not just on the offensive glass where he's collecting long rebounds on three-point misses, but what does he do on the defensive glass? That, to me, is critical for Kansas tonight in holding the Bison to one and out offensively, not allowing second-chance opportunities because they use their size or their physicality to get inside rebound position against us. I'll be looking at KJ as as much as those other two, but I think you're spot on to to say that this is a great litmus test or measuring stick of, of where they're at very early on. We're talking with the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, Switching over to the football field. KU takes on Texas Tech on Saturday. Uh, And I I guess before we get into the game itself, obviously you spending some time down there as part of your broadcast career, I don't know what the the normal uh, order of the radio crew figuring out dinner plans and and what to do on, on, I would assume, Friday night or whatnot. Do you take control of it the week of when you guys go down to Lubbock? Yeah, I'm kind of the point guard on that. Not every time, but most of the time, because my first year, the only thing that I instituted in terms of a rule or, or any changes from the way BD did things, Bob Davis, was I, I said, listen, and this is back obviously when KU football was, was really struggling, I said, we can't control the outcome on Saturday. We don't know if we're going to win, lose, or draw, but we can control making a memory and having some good fellowship on Friday night. So wherever we're at, let, let's, let's find a great restaurant. Let's find some fun activity. Let's do something as a crew to bond. And, and, you know, our first road trip together was, I'm looking at the picture right now in my office, as a matter of fact, we were in Memphis uh, 
and we went out on Beale Street, which is like their version of New Orleans Bourbon Street, and we ate at Rendezvous, which is true Memphis barbecue. And no, it's not as good as Kansas City barbecue, but, but it was still an experience. And so we always try to get an experience no matter what we do, and that's become especially important in some of those tough Saturdays when we got beat pretty bad. This year, Saturdays have been a lot more fun. But the uh, point is, I usually am in control. But tomorrow, as you both know, is David Lawrence's birthday. Won't say which one, but, but it's, it's a special birthday. And, and so I asked him earlier today, I said, listen, I'll pick the place since Lubbock is my old stomping grounds, but you've got to pick the type of food. What, what are you craving? So he has selected Mexican for his birthday dinner, and, and we've got a special restaurant off of Avenue Q, which is – once you get past Avenue Q and you're heading east in Lubbock, it's it's a very uh, predominantly Spanish-speaking community. So this is authentic Mexican food, all right? <laughs> so uh, he's going to get some good stuff. But I've taken these guys to Keiko Steakhouse, which is literally out on a cattle ranch where if you want fresh steak, it was probably looking at you 12 hours earlier. <laughs> um, and so we, we've taken them to some cool places, but the B-Day boy got to pick for tomorrow night. He picked Mexican. Yeah, well, if I know David, he's you know big fan of chips and dips, so that'll be the, the key to, to how well he enjoys the meal. Um, you know, once again, with, with the matchup itself, it seems like the theme every week is, well, who's going to be the quarterback? And, and I think Baron Morton's already been ruled out for this week, so it seems like it'll be Donovan Smith uh, for Texas Tech. Uh, obviously, you continue to look at Kansas and go, man, you're you're so lucky to have Jason Bean as your backup when you've seen some of these other backups in the Big 12, and and that was literally the difference in Kansas winning game number six on uh, Saturday. But what overall uh, for this game between Kansas and Texas Tech do you find most notable about this meeting, and, and what does Kansas have to do well to come away on top? Well, first off, just to expand on your original point, I mean, it's just – it's astonishing to me that Kansas and Kansas State could have such great QB2 situations, or betterly phrased, uh, they, have, they have such impressive quarterback depth in, in their top two guys, and schools like Oklahoma and Oklahoma State have nothing after their starter. I mean, I mean, it was utter disarray when Dylan Gabriel went out early in the season for OU. You saw how bad it looked. You know, these last five quarters for Oklahoma State without Spencer Sanders, whether it was Gundy or Rangel. And they're not the only ones. I mean, look around the rest of the league. Obviously, when Chapin went down briefly for Baylor, it wasn't quite the same. And, and you've seen that at, at various places. Texas Tech's had three different guys they've used. And that's not to say that, you know, Donovan Smith and, and others aren't capable. Smith, you know, clearly had great success. He was the MVP of the bowl game a year ago. And interesting story on him. I don't know if you guys caught this. I know Derek's a big fantasy football guy. His dad was the running backs coach at Tech, which is why the family moved from Vegas to Lubbock and how Tech got him a quarterback. Did you see who hired his dad? His dad's no longer coaching Tech. He's now a running backs coach still, but guess who his running back is that he coaches every Sunday? Who would that be? Saquon Barkley. Wow. He's, he's the running backs coach for the New York Giants now. So this wasn't just a case of, like, let's hire this guy because his son's talented. The coach is talented, all right? The New York football giants hired him, too. And yet his son's still in Lubbock, you know, doing his thing. So I think that's a pretty cool storyline. But, uh, but yeah, to your original point, I mean, 
it has saved our season that we have such a capable second quarterback. And that's a credit to Jason Bean and, and him honoring his commitment and sticking it out. But it's also a major credit to Lance Leipold, Andy Kotelnicki, and Jim Zabrowski, the quarterback's coach, because there was never a moment in the offseason, even after the huge effort to win at Texas and all the ballyhooed hype that came out of that, there was never a moment where they didn't mention Jason Bean in really quick reference right after Jalen Daniels. And they always talked about him as an integral part of what they were doing. And so in this transfer portal era of everybody wanting to get the heck out of Dodge as soon as they're not named a starter and look for greener pastures and screw it, I'm out, you know, that, that kind of thing. Kansas kept its guy. And we talked about it in August that having a starter who started nine games, or a backup, I should say, that had started nine games as your, your second stringer, you know, was a huge coup for Kansas. But we didn't know it would pay this big a dividend. And, and so to see the way he's really come on and, and, and to see the absence of that at some tradition-rich schools. I mean, look at Texas. We didn't talk about their backup situation. You know, for Kansas to have arguably the best top two quarterbacks in the league. Um, we're not used to saying that. And so let's just embrace that for what it is and, and a rarity like that and, and hope that we always have that kind of depth because it's a sport where attrition tests you more than any other. And thankfully, Coach Leipold, with a great commitment from Jason Bean, you know, kept it intact. In terms of the matchup, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things to gloss over real quickly. Uh, you guys, I'm sure, have talked this week about Tyree Wilson, who's having an All-American season with the tackles for loss and the sacks. I mean, 14 TFL, seven sacks. Obviously, pass protection's got to be good, and we're probably a little bit shaken up on the offensive line still from last week. But, uh, you know, I think they'll do some things to, to roll Jason out and, and give him a little bit more time to throw. But between Merriweather who's got 78 tackles on the year, and Tyree Wilson. They've got a couple of real stars that are like first-team all-caliber Big 12 Conference guys defensively. And then they're going to want to run a ton of plays. I'm not saying they'll get off 100 snaps like Oklahoma did and, and obviously won't be as much a factor since we're not going to be playing in, in mid-80 degree temperatures like we were in Norman that day. But how gassed did our defense look when they couldn't get off the field and Oklahoma was running tempo on us up and down that field a few weeks back? we got to find a better way way to, uh, as Coach Leipold would say, you know, get out there, be assignment sound, be in the right position, quickly get off the field, not allow these 16-play drives, uh, you know, that just gas you. And then the offense could do its part in complementary football to keep that ground game coming with Devin Neal and company, sustain some longer drives, chew up some clock, and rest the defense because Tech's going to want to put the pedal to the metal, so expect that on Saturday night. Well, we're here with Brian Haney, and before we let you go, uh, I've got a, a couple pitches for you for the name of the week for the the football game with Texas Tech. So I got three oh, okay. options for what you, you so you can okay. you can pick which one you like the best. The first is Keon Blankenbaker. I just love that last name, Blankenbaker. Um, it just rolls off the tongue. It I does. Yeah, super senior defensive back. Um, I, I don't know how much he plays, but you know, obviously upperclassman, so you'd think good chance to get on the field. This guy, I don't know how much he plays. He's a freshman defensive back. Honestly, I wish based on his first name he was like a quarterback or something. But uh, he is number 14. His first name is Hut, like Hut, Hut, Hike. Like it's H-U-T. His last name is Graham, Hut Graham. So that would have been a good quarterback one. Uh, And then the last one is actually not even a player. It's the assistant strength and conditioning coach, which, you know, you click on his profile and nothing pops up about, his what his real name is. So I don't know if this is like his given name or if this is just a nickname. But uh, his first name is Beef. 
Beef Watson. <laughs> Where's the beef? He's the strength coach, right. baby. I love it. That's awesome. And, and and since you're looking at their coaching staff, did you notice former right-hand man mm-hmm. of his baby, Kenny Perry, is now the associate head coach at Texas Tech? So, so it's good to see him doing well. And we obviously know about Emma Jones being down there, our former interim coach and, and longtime receivers coach, returning to Texas Tech. So there's some good Kansas ties. But I'll be honest, and maybe because it's crossover season and I'm right now deeper into NDSU than I am Texas Tech, I, I had not discovered beef that far into my preparation <laughs> for Texas Tech. But I'll start to comprehensively look at the assistant strength coaches going forward because if there's names like Hutt and Beef out there, then clearly we got to dig deeper for our names of the week. That is fabulous stuff. Well done, my friend. Man, is, I, I think Texas Tech has like the award-winning, um, is it the meat judging, I believe, is what they do there, and they win like every year. So who knows? Maybe he, maybe he came up through that, and, and now he's getting uh, work as the assistant strength and conditioning coach. All right, well, Brian, appreciate the time as always, man. And before we let you go, uh, a word from Nate Miller. Yeah, that's right. Nate Miller is putting together a game plan for my financial future. He'll do the same for you, just as the Jayhawks have to get their ducks in a row to prepare to take on the Bison and the Red Raiders and have that winning game plan. He does the same by looking at your current financial investments or getting you started on that path. So check him out at MillerRetirementGroup.com. That's MillerRetirementGroup.com, and he'll take care of you today. Always a pleasure, fellas. Look out for flying tortillas in Lubbock on Saturday night. That's, that's one tradition in addition to the meat judging we should have talked about. Uh, I've worn Lance Leipold because it's his first trip. And I told him, be sure not to eat them because, you know, they smuggle them in. And, and the only places you can hide those, you wouldn't want to eat them. So uh, flying tortillas, they'll be coming. We'll make sure David Lawrence gets his fill of tortillas on Friday night so he's not tempted to eat any on Saturday. Awesome stuff, Brian. Appreciate it as always. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. That was Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. No, one and a half to go. Just kidding. We're out of 530 for uh, pregame coverage. Brian will be on the call at 7 right here on KLWN. This is RCST. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and uh, we're out early today at 5.30 for coverage of our pregame show, the Crimson and Blue Show, tip-off at 7 o'clock here on KLWN. If you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, venue 1235 has you covered, located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Venue 1235 is a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. We are halfway through the NFL season. That's crazy. I know. And we only have, what, three more regular season weeks, one more postseason. So we have four more weeks of college football. Yeah, I think uh, we mentioned this Are you this ready earlier. for it to be the end of the football season? No, I think we mentioned this earlier in the year. It's funny how when your team doesn't suck, the year goes by <laughs> really fast. Yeah, it does. And then when your team is bad, like Kansas football has been for a long time, it's like, oh, my God, it just keeps going more and more. Mm-hmm. There's another game next week. What? <laughs> but then now that they're – Doing really well. It's like, never like, oh, man. Yeah. Only got three games left. Well, we are, because it is halfway through, we're okay. going to get you your update on our NFL betting preview. So we did this before the season started, and we picked division winners. We picked uh, teams to make the playoffs, so basically the wild card teams. 
We picked our Super Bowl winners, MVP, Player of the Year, stuff like that, uh, teams in the Super Bowl, all that good jazz. We are going to go through these and give you an update where we're at, and you have the ability that you can add to any of these bets if you'd like. Uh, so we're going to go through. There's also a new bet that we have on there that wasn't there when we were doing it in the preseason. It is now. Uh, number one seed? Yes, okay. in both the AFC and the NFC. Okay, so let's go first to the divisions where we started last time. Uh, AFC North, we both took the Ravens at plus 140. Good bet. They're now sitting at minus 600. Would you like to hedge <laughs> with the Bengals at plus 550, or you're oh, just leaving it? Uh, no, I'm riding, with the, I'm riding with the Ravens. I am too. You look at that schedule, the back end of the season, and yeah, that's going to be a theme for me. terrible teams upon terrible teams upon terrible teams. Yeah. Um, this is a joke. It's very much going to be a theme for me in some of these bets that we're going to be doing here because of the fact that it's not just that they should win the division. There is a real chance that they could like win out. Like seriously, yeah, no, yeah. Remember we had we had an overreaction yeah. here one Monday where is it crazy to say that the Ravens could be the one seed? No, and it's really not. And it's I mean, not they don't they don't. I mean, look at their schedule. They don't play anybody. Because what's even their record right now? They're only like they're six and three. Okay, so they're six and but three. Think about it. The, uh, the, the crazy thing about that also is that. They could easily be yeah. nine and zero. Seriously, okay, I mean so they, they, they blew lost. a twenty-one point lead to the Dolphins. They should have beat the Jets, and I don't remember what the third loss was. I mean, oh, it was no, the they, Giants, right? Or no, the, the Giants was it the yeah, Jets? No, or the they Giants? beat the Jets. They beat the Jets in their opening. It was the Giants. Lost to the Dolphins. Lost to yeah the Bills and lost to the Giants. All games they were up by I believe double digits at one point. Yes, uh, but this is the rest of their schedule: Panthers at home, at Jacksonville, Denver at home, at Pittsburgh. At Cleveland. I guess the at Cleveland one could actually be interesting because Deshaun Watson Watson will be back by then. And the rest of that Cleveland roster is pretty talented. Uh, They get Atlanta at home. They get Steelers at home. And then they're at Cincinnati. So, like, at most, they're losing two games the rest of the way. I'm sticking with Baltimore on this one with you as well, plus 140. AFC South. You got Tennessee at plus 175 before the season. Which that turned out to be really good. Yeah, they're now down to minus 400. I had the Colts. Hey, who's the clown? Who's the bigger clown here? The Colts for being terrible or you for picking them? I don't think that was that crazy before the season started. I mean, you looked at them, they were what did they go last year? Nine and seven or, or nine and eight now that you I, have I the don't extra know game. Like I just remember they were they were in a situation where they were gonna be a playoff team until they lost the last game of the season <laughs> against the Jacksonville. Oh, yeah, the yeah, they were gonna go to the playoffs and then yeah, the Jaguars just beat like, them like thirty enough. to nothing. And so it was like, okay, they were pretty close to playoff team last year, like Matt Ryan, Matt maybe, Ryan, a, maybe an upgrade. upgrade over Carson yep, Wentz. You would think. And then he was Wrong. not. The offensive line got terrible, and Jonathan Taylor's been hurt every game, and they're not good. And now they have <laughs> Jeff Saturday as their head coach, which and is yet, weird. The Chiefs lost to them. <laughs> yeah, which makes <laughs> sense. Ah! So I'm, I'm not even going to double down. Like, I'm not even going to hedge <laughs> this because there's no odds in the Titans. Like, I'm not going to take the Titans minus 400 to hedge this. I'm not going to take the Jaguars at plus 400. So I'm just going to leave it. I'm going to take my loss on Indianapolis at okay. minus 130. You're just going to accept it. Yep. AFC East, Buffalo Bills were minus 240. They're now minus 400. I'm tempted uh, a little bit to hedge here on. because of the Josh Allen injury. Yeah, me too. Like, we don't know how long he's going to be out. Wait. You can get the Dolphins at plus 450. You can get the Patriots at eighteen to one. Dude, you can get the Jets at eighteen to one. Am I am I blind? I can't find the division. Oh, here we go. I am blind. Okay, we're good. I found it. I think I'm just gonna stick gonna with Buffalo at minus two forty. But again, that Dolphins bet. Yeah. You're not tempted by the Jets at plus eighteen hundred. I am because of the odds, but I was looking at they the have, Jets. They have schedule. the same record as the Bills, and they already have a, a game. They already have a game up on them. I know. But it's like okay. Here's the Jets' upcoming schedule at New England. Versus Chicago, versus Chicago. Okay. 
probably what one and one between those two. You would in some way or I mean, another. It's the Jets, but also they're six and three. Yeah, so I don't know. Or are they six and two? At Minnesota, are they, they are. And, I think they're six and three. Six and three. Okay. Yeah, the, the, at Minnesota, that's a loss. Probably yeah. at Buffalo, that's a loss. Maybe I don't know. I, how can you say that definitively? I guess Lions at home, Jaguars at home. They should win both. So now you're three and three. So that would make them. Hang on, hang on, math. You can do this one. Nine on, and six. Nick. There you go. <laughs> and then over the last two games, you have at Seattle, probably a loss, Maybe. and at Miami. At best case, you're one and one in those. Most likely, you're zero oh and two. So there's a real chance they go three and five to finish. Maybe if you want to be optimistic, they go like four and four. That's probably not, not winning the division. That's probably, not that, the that probably division. makes the playoffs, but if you That's go probably four and four, not good enough to win the division. No. Okay, fine. Yeah. So I'm not. Are you doing Dolphins plus four fifty though, or are you just sticking with? No, the I'm just gonna stick with the Bills. Yeah, I'll do the same. AFC West. I'm just gonna double down on stupidity here. Um, the Chiefs are plus one seventy five, or were before the season. That's where yep. you got them out. They're yep. minus nine hundred. So again, <laughs> I am not going to gain anything by hedging my bet, and because these are all under the assumption of fake hundred dollar bets, I would make eleven dollars. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I agree. So, I had the Broncos preseason. Obviously, not going to double down on them. Really, really dumb. Forty to one. I'm going to go with the Chargers. Hey, our wager, our semi wager of the Broncos not winning six games, is very much yeah, alive. It's very much alive. Play. Very much alive. Because it's it's tough to. I don't know. <laughs> they're uh, the one good redeeming quality about them was the defense, I mean, and they traded Bradley Chubb. I mean, it's and, a miracle you know, they had three wins. I know. I although you could say like. Well, they're close to getting maybe a couple others. Like they very easily could have beat the Seahawks, and now we'd be looking back at that and be like, "Oh, that's a good win," you know. So uh, it is what it is. But okay, this is what I don't understand. What do you not understand? Why are the Chargers six to one? Why is it not less than that? They're only a game back of the Chiefs, and they still get to um, play them at home. Well, they've already lost to them. Sure, but a game that they kind of outplayed them. I don't know if you saw, but Jason Verrett tore his Achilles. Today. Yeah, their whole team He's just out gets injured. For the year. Listen, I don't think the I, I think the Chiefs are going to win the division. Which, by the way, Jason Verrett, uh, somebody posted on Twitter of like his injury history. So going back to like 2018, he's like tore his left ACL, tore his right ACL, tore his left Achilles, and now he tore his right or something like that. He's uh, like he's torn both of his both of his Achilles and both of his ACLs every single year. I think like I would just call it four at years this point. He's probably made millions and millions of dollars. I don't know. I mean, isn't that isn't that crazy? That sucks. That is just yeah, it's so unlucky. But yeah, so anyway, I, I do think the Chiefs will win the division. But again, like this is why I didn't pick the Chiefs at the beginning of the season too. The fact that I just had better odds. Now it's six to one for the Chargers. They're only a game back. I'm just gonna go with the odds play here. I will bet on the Chargers at six to one. Okay. AFC wild cards. You had the Colts minus one ninety. Bad. Dolphins plus one forty. Pretty good. Chargers minus two hundred. Uh, okay. Would you like to yeah. add anyone in there? This is for the AFC, right? Yes. Okay. This is just technically um, to make the playoffs. So hypothetically, any team you pick here, if they make the playoffs by winning the division, it, it well hits the Chargers' 42. odds to make the playoffs have actually lowered. They're now minus one eighty. Really? I feel yeah. like that's the play. Yeah, that's 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 kind of what I'm thinking too, honestly. Yeah, I didn't see that. I'm actually going to do that with you because the Dolphins are the Dolphins are now at minus four hundred. The Colts it. are just a lost cause. Mm-hmm. I have the, the Chargers are minus five hundred. I have the but, Chargers minus two hundred. Chiefs minus two ten. I mean, does, does the Browns minus does the Browns plus four hundred do anything for you? A little bit because if they can, if they survive, go on a run, right? Yeah. I'm still not touching it though. I I don't want to be cheering for Deshaun Watson to that be honest. Um, yeah, that's pretty gross. 
All right, yeah, I'll toss in. Uh, How about the Jets? Your Jets at plus 100. Oh, the Jets. Oh. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll throw the Jets in there. Okay. Give me, uh, give me so some Jets action. You're going to do the Jets. I'm going to do the Chargers at minus 180. I already have the Chargers I mean, at minus I, yeah, 200. but Yeah, I'll do the Chargers too at minus 180. Okay. So, so we're we'll, we'll both. both the same there, yeah. Yeah. I'll take Jets. Number one seed in the AFC. This is not one that was available for us to bet on earlier this season. Well, like you were discussing, Baltimore seems like potentially a nice pick on value. But, Derek, give me the Chiefs. I'm taking the Chiefs. Plus Chiefs are plus 250. Bills are the favorite at minus 150. Again, who knows with the Lamar Jackson injury. I just think because of that schedule for the Ravens, I do think they're going to finish 13-4. and four. And I don't know. That might not be enough because the, the Bills have the tiebreaker on the Chiefs and the Ravens, which is big yeah, for them. Yeah, that is tough. That is tough. But if Josh Allen is injured for a bit of time, they could go, they could go eleven and six. Yeah, twelve and five, and then the Ravens are ahead of you. And who knows? The Ravens could even finish fourteen and three with that schedule. They really could. Yes. So the fact that you're getting the Ravens at ten to one odds—that's good. That I'm all about good. that. Plus the the Bills I was have a, the Ravens. The Bills have a much tougher schedule, right? I mean, no, they do in the AFC East. Yes, I mean they 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 still have to play the Dolphins and the Jets again, mm-hmm. and I don't think they'll play the Patriots at all yeah. yet. And I mean the Patriots are not good, but they're not a pushover. They could beat the Bills, yeah. Okay, on to the NFC side of things. NFC North, you took a, a shot on the uh, Lions at 10-1. to 1, Yeah, I did. And that's probably not happening. But what no. sucks here is this division feels like it's wrapped up. Like, yeah. the Vikings are three and a half games up on everyone else, but they're minus 3,500. So, like, there's no <laughs> point in even betting on it. I have the Packers at minus 175. They're going at plus 2,500 now. Honestly... If I had to bet anyone, just this, for the fun the of it. disrespect to the Lions here. I would go Bears 50-1, to 1, just throw like a dollar on it. Yeah, it's the, not going to happen, so I'm not going to touch it. The disrespect to the Lions. They just beat the Packers, and yet their odds are double. <laughs> double. Yeah. No are respect you touching to it, Lions. though? No. I'm not either. I mean, I could double down on the Lions just for the fun of it. but No, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> uh, okay, NFC South. Before the season, we both took Tampa Bay at minus 250. You can get them at minus 210 now. Double down. Yeah, I guess, you know, the their odds are a little lower because they suck, but so does the rest of the division. So Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess I'll stick with Tampa Bay. Are you gonna double down or just stick with the original? I'll just stick with the original. I don't want to double down. I am at minus two ten. Okay. I don't trust the Falcons or the Panthers. <laughs> Although, you know, Saints at seven to one. Intriguing, I guess. If if they told me Jameis Winston's gonna be the starter, I would Probably I think the that. positive for our Tampa Bay bet is that now maybe with the Giselle divorce, Tom's he's got it behind him. You know, <laughs> he's he kind of put it away. Yeah, focus on football. <laughs> um, NFC East. This was a two-man race before the season started. It's still kind of that way. I know the Giants are hanging around, but odds-wise, not as much. Now you can get the Cowboys if you want to double down. You took Dallas at plus one sixty. They're plus. I'd Philadelphia plus one forty. Wow. Yeah. I, I really don't think that's a bad bet. They still yeah. get to play him in Dallas with yeah. Dak Prescott back. Well, so they already beat him in, in Philly, right? No, Philadelphia won that that's one. That's what I'm saying. Philly, Philly oh, beat, yeah. Uh, that, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, I'll double down. Why not? Okay, a 4-1. to one. I don't mind that. The, I, I'm just not going to touch it one way or another. I, I did think about Dallas. It's just the schedule for the Eagles, man. Like, this is who they have upcoming. Commanders at home, at Indianapolis, Green Bay at home. Tennessee at home, at New York Giants, at Chicago Bears, at Dallas, Saints at home, Giants at home. They're going to be yeah, favored yeah. in probably all of those games, maybe not the one at Dallas. Yeah, that's... 
So like that's they're going. K, that's a cake walk. They're probably going like even if they lose they're at Dallas, go fifteen and two. Even if they lost to Dallas and at home to the Titans, yeah, there's fifteen and two. Even if you lose one other game, you're not supposed to. You're fourteen, 14 and three. three. Yes, and I don't think the, the Cowboys I mean, are going to do better. What than did that. anybody think the Eagles were going to do before the season? I mean, what? 10, 11 wins. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a great over under bet. Which, by the yeah. way, I when the the Ravens were sitting at uh, three and three or whatever it was, four and three, their live win total over under was ten and a half. I hammered it. And now I'm loving it. Uh, anyway, okay. NFC West. I take another chance Arizona. here. Yeah, yeah. I take another chance with the Cardinals. They're four to one. What are they now? Turns out they're just really terrible. <laughs> well, you can double down on them for three thousand. Yeah, plus three thousand. Thirty to one odds. I took San Francisco plus 150. They're going minus a, 135. Yeah, I'm not touching it. I'm not going to bet on the Seahawks. So no. I just, I don't Double think, I'm, I think I'm just going to. Rams 9 to 1? No, I'm just going to fold on this one. Okay. Uh, wild card. Teams to make the playoffs. All right. So I had the, I had the Rams, yeah. the Vikings, and the Saints. Vikings looking good. Yeah. Let me look at the. There's two that the, stood out, and I'm going to both, I'm going to take both. Seattle at minus 250. It's not like great odds, yeah, but I, yeah, I feel like, like they will be a playoff team. Yeah, I don't know how much I like that, though. I, I mentioned Chicago. I have loved the, how good Justin Fields has looked here. They're in a crappy division outside of Minnesota. <laughs> plus 1,600. At 1,600. Like, if they were plus 400, I'm avoiding it. But at plus 1,600, like, could the Bears sneak their way to, I think they're 3 and 6 right now. Could they sneak their way to 9 and 8 do the Falcons, and maybe get the 7 seed? Do the Falcons do anything for you? That's not bad, too, because they could, again, sneak their way to, like, the seven seed. Um, you know who else is not bad on here? The Commanders at 6-1. to one. Yeah, because they're 4-5 or 4-4. and, five, or four and four, Shoot, right? man. Somebody's got to be the seven seed. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I guess I got to kind of kick. Well, I'm going to go Commanders. Are, I'm going to go Seattle and the Commanders. I can't find the Rams. I'm not going to actually do Bears. I can't find the Rams on here. I'm just, the Rams. I'm just blind. Do not exist. But yeah, where are they? What? They took them off. They know something. Oh they probably God. took them off of this because the Matt Stafford injury, and they don't know what's going on there. Okay. Well, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do anything else. I mean, I could go add on to the Saints, but I'm okay. just going to stay. I'm just going to hold. Let's move over to the number one seed then. Okay. Philadelphia is minus 400. Which is crazy for just a one seed. Bad value. Dallas five to one, Minnesota plus six fifty, and then it's a huge drop off. Yeah. So I mean I think your options basically here take are, one of the three. Yeah. Your options are I mean, if you're looking for value, you probably won't probably aren't gonna take the Eagles. So I went with Dallas. Yeah, going, that's I'm not bad. Dallas. The fact that they get to play Philadelphia too to get a chance to come back on them is is important. Minnesota it gives lost them, it gives them a chance, yeah. Minnesota lost to Philadelphia, so they lose the tiebreaker, but they're only a game behind. The problem for Minnesota is that their schedule, man, they're at Buffalo this week. Then they are at home against Dallas, home against New England, home against the Jets at Detroit, Colts at home, Giants at home at Green Bay at Chicago. So the final, like, five games isn't bad, but this next, like, three or four-game stretch is tough for them. Oh, they're plus 650. I'll just I'll throw something on Minnesota. Why not? <laughs> uh, awards. You took Lamar Jackson to win MVP before the season bad. at 20-1. to Well, one. I guess it's not impossible. I don't think that's bad. You don't think it's bad? No, especially because now, like, if, we, if we're if we saying that they're going to go I guess if we're saying they're going to be this, the one seed. Right. Yeah. 
And if they're going to go on this this crazy run here at the end, he's going to get a bunch of hype. He's he's eleven to one right now. Okay, yeah. So you actually got him at better okay, odds. Okay, yeah. I okay. got Mahomes at nine to one. He's two to one right now. I'm just going to stick with it. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to hedge on yeah, anything. Yeah, stick with, stick with Lamar. Okay, offensive player of the year. Uh, you took Devontae Adams at Bad. eighteen to one, which I mean he's putting up solid numbers. It's it's not quite have, offensive player of the year, but chance. yeah, the fact that the Raiders aren't good. So would you like to hedge that at all? Oh, How about boy. Tyree Hill being the favorite at three to one. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I think Christian McCaffrey's intriguing. That's what I'm doing. You're going with Christian McCaffrey? It's 30 to 1. Yeah. And yeah. him having the. Or, I mean, Saquon at 20 to 1 is pretty good, too, I think. Yeah. I think I'll just hold. Well, I don't know. I'm not going to bother wasting money. There's almost money. too many good options. I'm That's not going to be hard. Wasting more money. I had Justin Jefferson 12 to 1. He's having a good season. I, I still think he has a chance at, at winning this. He's uh, at 10 to 1 now, which is third. Uh, but I like the Christian McCaffrey at 30 to 1. If the 49ers turn it around from what looked like they were going to after they beat the Rams and now a bye week, they're 4 and 4 after starting 3 and 4. If they end the up problem like, with McCaffrey, though, he got hurt, so I don't know if he's going to he put did. up the numbers. Yeah, he might not. But we also saw in that last game, we saw him passing touchdown, receiving touchdown, rushing touchdown. They're going to use him. So if he can stay healthy, I like the, uh, the bet. Defense player of the year. You took Chris Jones at 50 to 1. Yeah, that I don't think that's going to work. He is seventy-five to one right now. He's still on the list, though. He yeah, didn't drop off completely. I got who, who Nick Bosa at fifteen to one. He's now nine to one. I feel like this is Micah Parsons' award, and that's reflected in the odds. Yeah, he's, he's minus two twenty-five. Yeah, yeah. But I don't want to bet on that. Neither Why is Matthew Judon not getting more love here? He's twelve to one. He's leading the NFL in sacks. Because his team's bad. But don't you think if like he's able to to that notion? If he's able to help the Patriots get into the playoffs at all, and because right now he has he has eleven and a half sacks, second has eight and a half, so there's like a pretty good gap there between first and second. If he has twenty sacks and the Patriots find their way in the playoffs, I like that at twelve to one odds. Go for it. All right, you're not touching anyone. Man, I don't know. I I, I guess not. Okay, you get a uh, one other of the year choice. Uh, you took Jameis to win comeback play of the year plus five fifty. Yeah, I'm going to switch that and go with Saquon Barkley. Okay, plus 140. Saquon Barkley is comeback player of the year. I took a offensive rookie of the year, Desmond Ritter, at 20-1. to 1. I didn't think the Falcons would be uh, this okay with Marcus Mariota, and looks like he's going to be the guy the rest of the season, so I don't think that's going to work out. But I'm going to go over to my coach of the year, Pete Carroll, at 8-1. to 1. Um, When I look at the guys at the top of the coach of the year, I think there if are the some Eagles guys go that undefe- fall off. Yeah, yeah that's the, the problem. If the Eagles go undefeated... Even if they go like 15-2, and two, it's hard not to give a coach that went 15-2. and two, Although, yeah. I don't think Andy Reid won it when they went 14-2 and two a couple no. years ago, right? No. So, maybe if they even lose twice, that gets him off there. Kevin O'Connell with the Vikings, like maybe they could lose a couple times. Robert Sala, um, I think the Jets, we mentioned them, like they could finish 9-8. and eight. Yeah. Brian no, Dable, I, I the Giants, they could finish 7. I don't know. Yeah, I think Pete Carroll's the best bet so, here. Yeah, Pete Carroll at 8-1 to one for that. Uh, who is... Your, or, or are you adding any AFC winners? You have the Chiefs at plus 550. Uh, I am going to stick with the Chiefs. They're down to 225, so I'm going to stick with them. Yep, you got good odds on that one. Um, I originally took uh, the Chargers at plus 750. Yeah, that was silly. I still don't mind it. They should be a playoff team right now. I, I know the odds are worse. They're 16 to 1, but it, it's not as bad as... I don't know if I would have taken like the Broncos, I guess, for that one. Um Baltimore is at plus 650. I keep talking them up. I'm going to go with them to yeah, win the man, AFC. You love Baltimore. I know. I'm all in on it. Uh, NFC. We both took Green Bay at 4-1. to one, So, I think we both need a new one. Yeah, that's bad. 
That's just not not what you want to see. No. Um, I'm. I don't I'm love go the Eagles the, at plus one seventy five. Go with the 49ers? Yeah, I feel like you're taking between three: the Cowboys at plus four fifty, the Niners at plus five hundred, and the Vikings at plus six fifty. Kirk Cousins is not getting to a Super Bowl. That's the problem. Sorry, but Jimmy G got there. That's I true. Mean, I mean, <laughs> damn. Uh, I'll, I'll go with the Niners. I'll go with the Niners. I'll go Dallas. Really like their defense, plus four fifty, and then Super Bowl winner. You got the Chiefs plus one thousand. I got the Bills plus five fifty. Uh, I'm sticking with the Chiefs. I'm sticking with the Bills. 500. Yeah, they're plus 290 now, so we'll just stick with those. All right, that is our you NFL. stick with the Bills, even though with no Josh, Josh Allen being well, We don't know for sure like how long he's going to be. Okay. He's going to be back okay. for the playoffs. Okay. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our NFL midseason betting update. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk, KU Defensive Notebook. Next. We've got some Brandon Schneider postgame audio from last night. KU Women's Team comes out on top in their season opener. We'll play that for you coming up in our next segment, but first we have our KU defensive notebook after having the offensive side yesterday. Is the run defense back? I don't want to say yes because last time I did, they <laughs> ended up being bad. So, maybe. But also, yes. But also, <laughs> Oklahoma State's bad, and so is Texas Tech. Yeah. So, yeah, I think so for the next couple weeks. Okay. <laughs> I like your answers. I think, yeah, you know what's crazy? What's, if you look what, at the totality... Crazy? Kansas is a top three run defense now in the Big 12 if you look at rush yards allowed per attempt. Yeah. What are they giving up? 3.8 yards? It's like 3.7, 3.8, something like that. Um, they <laughs> held Oklahoma State under four, which, as you mentioned, they dominated on the line of scrimmage. Oklahoma State doesn't have a great blocking yeah, team. Okay. They also don't have that dynamic back that we've seen so often with Justice Hill. And I, I, don't really under, I don't really understand Oklahoma State, man. It's like they're a top 15 team. Spencer Sanders goes out, and suddenly they're just the worst team of all time mm-hmm. on, and on both sides of the ball. But it's like Spencer Sanders doesn't play every position, so why are they just suddenly so terrible? I mean, they were, obviously their, their defense was not good, even when Sanders was playing. But, I mean, I yeah, dude, I don't know, man. And the runoff, obviously, I guess we should talk about their offense, considering that's what, you know, is Cave's defense. Uh, the, the offense was just bad. Yeah. It's not good at all. Yeah, but, but KU's defense that was, was good, good to see. Yeah. It was good to see. Um, and I mean, obviously, like you said, like without Spencer Sanders, that that brings them down. But it's not everything. And I it's, mean, it kind of was everything. Yeah, but like even like but the Garrett tempo Rangel, stuff. He still threw for three hundred yards. That's the thing, and the, and the tempo stuff. Like we had Scott Wright on last week, and he said that he thought maybe they would slow it down a bit without Spencer Sanders, but they didn't. They actually yeah. ran a faster tempo in that game than they did on average in the season. And obviously it's not Dylan Gabriel in the OU offense with with when KU met them out in Norman, but that was impressive too, the the turnaround that they showed against high tempo. Yeah, I think uh, KU f- kind of fell back into a similar strategy we've seen them employ defensively throughout the season, which is they decided to just play really soft on the outside and allow a lot of underneath stuff and come up and tackle. And they were able to do that successfully because Oklahoma State couldn't run the ball, right? So that this is kind of, a, I think, a, a, an ongoing theme of KU's defense where they seem to feel most comfortable using that kind of strategy where when you have a guy like Kobe Bryant who came back against Oklahoma State uh, and you have some you know, more aggressiveness on the outside, you play softer and then you come up and make tackles in front of you on the, and you give up a lot of short routes. But th- that works when you're able to only put six, seven guys in the box and you can have more guys out, out everywhere else. Mm-hmm. And that's what KU was able to do. They were able to stop the run against Oklahoma State enough to where they were able to still play that sort of softer coverage on the outside and be okay with that and coming up and tackling because they knew that they weren't going to give up six yards per carry when Oklahoma State tried to run the ball. 
which is what didn't happen against Oklahoma, right? Like, when you go back and think of this strategy that Caves tried to use, against Oklahoma, it didn't work because they they were getting gashed. And then they tried to put more guys up front, and then they just got beat deep, right? So, to me, this is clearly uh, the way that Brian Boland wants to play this defense. He wants to play the defense as... We can If we can stop the run with six, seven guys in the box and get away with that, we're going to play soft on the outside. We, we've done a pretty good job of tackling all season, so we're going to trust that on the outside with guys like Kobe Bryant and Melo Dotson and Kenny Logan and even Marvin Grant making tackles on the outside, and we're going to be okay with giving up short yardage completions. right? I think they gave up, I think against Oklahoma State, they gave up three passes of more than 20 yards, which sounds like a lot, but that's really not for a team that is generally explosive like Oklahoma State is. So the, the fact that they were able to do that and execute it well, that, that clearly to me is kind of the blueprint of what the defense wants to do when they're playing well. Stop the run with not as many guys in the box, play soft on the outside, and come up and make tackles and not give up the big play. Yeah, and we'll see if that carries over against Tech. I'm sure the bye week helped them. I'm sure them struggling against OU, like that was a good teaching tool and, and having that on tape. And, and yeah, just not having as much talent for Oklahoma State. But what you said earlier, like – Texas Tech is closer to what Oklahoma State is than what Oklahoma is. For sure. On that offensive side. So uh, that's certainly a good thing. Um, Yeah, Texas Tech averages the exact same amount of yards per carry that Oklahoma State does. Yeah. Which is not good. And obviously they have arguably even more question marks at quarterback than Oklahoma State does. Because with Oklahoma State, like, Sanders was out, but at least they had the one guy who was going to be their backup, Garrett Rangel. With Texas Tech, I don't know. It could be Tyler Shuck. It could be... Donovan Smith, like you don't, it could be, you know, they have more questions, I think, from that standpoint. Yeah, what is the deal with Tyler Shuck? I remember that was, because he transferred from Oregon, and that was like, oh, he's going to eventually be a first-round pick. Like, you see him pop up in these mock drafts. And then and he got like, hurt, but then yeah. he's back then now, he but like, I, good, I don't really I don't know. Because he, 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 he scored a couple touchdowns in their last game, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I don't know if it'll be Shuck. I don't know if it'll be... Like you Donovan said, Donovan Smith. Smith, Smith yeah. is like a big guy who can be a power runner, but he also doesn't have like that great of running stats. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So I, w- if I were Tech, I would think they would maybe want to use Smith in this game against KU to try to f- use the ground game and open things up, because clearly, like the with the way KU wants to play their defense, like I just described and how they successfully did it against Oklahoma State, is on the flip side, if you can run the ball effectively like, for instance, Oklahoma did, and you use tempo on top of that, and you get the defense on their back heels, then you can start to open things up more and look for big plays. By the way, how big was having Kobe Bryant back? Oh, he's it's incredible what he can do. I mean, Kobe Bryant, is is he's that type of player that just has that it factor on defense, where it's like, you don't really know how he does it, but he just instinctually, he's always near the ball, right? Or he's always in the right place to make a play on the ball. Like, it, it's... It's one of those things that you truly cannot teach to somebody who's a defensive back. Like you just have, you either have it or you don't. And Kobe Bryant has it. He he's an instinctive ball hawk. He's always near the ball. He's always making plays. And and yeah, what he brings to the table. Because again, I think from Kobe's standpoint, if you are going to play uh, that sort of softer coverage and let things happen underneath you, you can do that. But on top of that, you have a guy like Kobe Bryant who instinctively just can jump routes and make plays like that. Right. So you almost get the best of both worlds when you have a guy like him and you want to play that style of defense, right? Because he can, if you're going to play soft, but then he just has this read, man. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just, it's one of those things where you just, when you see a guy who has it, you're like, yep, he has it. Mm-hmm. But then you can't, it's not, you can't really teach it, right? Yeah, he's going to be a pro. Um, He really is. 
And there are times when, you know, he's feast and famine and, and might give up a big play, but the big plays he's going to get back for you. And, and he was just overall locked down in that game. But yeah. he also has the interception, which, like, it, it's his first drive, I think, back at that point. And <laughs> he comes in, makes an interception. Yeah, I think Borland, I mean, I don't know for sure, but Borland was saying, like, that was, like, one of his first plays. Yeah. Like, one of the first plays back on the field. Crazy. I mean, that, that kid is just so unbelievably talented. And then he also, he was the one who, I, I know Rich Miller came up with the interception. And, like, give credit to Rich Miller for being in the right spot and for having the concentration on a tip ball to come up with the interception. Like, that's not just pure luck. Like, there were a lot of things that went into that from his side to earn the interception. But... That interception was made by Kobe Bryant tipping the ball away and having perfect coverage on that receiver to tip it over to Rich Miller to kind of secure the game there at the end. He yeah. he is just such a big playmaker for this team, and this will be something we touch on more tomorrow. But guess who leads the Big 12 in interceptions thrown? Texas Tech. Texas Tech, yep. So wouldn't be surprised if Kobe Bryant comes up with another one on Saturday. He's he's just such a big difference maker. Uh, real quick before we go to break, breakout game, Lorenzo McCaskill. For this game, from like no, I mean State? last game was that his? Yeah. yeah, yeah, was that his breakout? Uh, I, I, I didn't I, notice his helmet falling off. By the way, that was good. That was very good. <laughs> good job. The equipment managers must have tightened his chin strap or got him a better fitting helmet. So that was good. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, from the linebackers, like because they rotate, it's kind of the same deal with the D line. Like, yeah, maybe they have a breakout game, but does that mean he's going to be all of a sudden playing like significantly more? I don't think so. Like, he's just going to be still. I think it's still going to be rotation, right? I so think, how do you define breakout game? Yeah, I I think in that I wouldn't be surprised if like he's the starter or if he plays more snaps now than like if he's one of the three highest snapped linebackers, like if he plays starter role. But yes, you're right. Other guys are still going to play. It's never going to be a hey, you get sixty snaps, the other guy gets ten. Uh, but he evened it out with Tywan Berryhill. I wouldn't be surprised if like maybe it's forty. You know, or, or 60-40 split going his way, and that he's going to have more responsibility for the team. But that's important because he's an ultra-talented guy. So yes. uh, that was nice to see. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.